Hello, good evening. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. I don't look a bit like Anne Dawson. Uh, God bless her. Uh, she can't make it tonight, uh, but I'm uh, having the privilege to stand in for her. So uh, just bear with me as we go through uh, uh, today's program. We obviously want you to uh, be writing in. Email and text will come up on your screen throughout the program. But tonight's special guest is uh, Pastor Derek Walker, who you're very familiar with, and uh, a good friend of mine as well, I may Thank say. You. Yes. Pastor Derek, um, Oxford Bible Church, uh, well-versed in the, in the gospel and uh, other things academically, uh, proven to be uh, very successful, uh, having uh, come out with uh, high honours. Uh, and we just want to say thank you very much for uh, being here for the body of Christ at this time, because understanding scripture sometimes uh, needs a bit more explanation from a deeper level. And tonight's programme is really about Lordship Salvation. And uh, a key question really to put to viewers, I suppose, we were talking about this just a minute ago. Can you receive Jesus Christ as Saviour uh, without receiving him as Lord? Uh, mm. The two are inextricably linked, are they not? But some would say otherwise. That's right. The, these two things you see throughout Scripture. He's Saviour, he's Lord. And, and yet there is one camp, as it were, because they want to protect salvation by grace, grace alone. They want to make sure there's no human works involved. They present it as if it's just an issue of receiving Jesus as Savior, believing, you know, who he is and receiving his salvation. But maybe later you face his lordship and you are presented with the need to obey him and things like this. And so that's pushed to one side. And so it's just the gospel in that sense would be, you know, just believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He loves you. Just receive his forgiveness, you know. And that's often the gospel is presented in that way. But there's no emphasis on his lordship, on his authority. And the question is, is, is that right? Is that biblical? And, and for a long time, I was actually, what I would say, was on the wrong side of the issue because I felt that, you know, we must protect salvation by grace. And if there's a requirement on us in some way to submit to God, to surrender to God, to commit to God, then doesn't that deny salvation by grace? So tricky, there's the two it? sides of mm. the issue. But I'm, I'm, what I'm coming forth today is, is really in the last few years, it's it dawned on me more and more how important it is to, to surrender to the Lordship of Christ. And that actually is at the very heart of what faith means. Faith is not something in the mind. I think one problem we have is with the English word to believe. Are you a believer? Do you and, believe? Yes. And the English word, we understand that, is a very intellectual way. You know, yes, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross. And, and we're, the way the English word kind of means is, is just this kind of mental assent. But the biblical meaning of the word faith and believing is something very much more than that. Yes, it begins with that understanding the truth but it's a commitment of the heart it's a it's a response of the heart of the will and so without that submission of the will is how I like to put it we you don't have a, a real saving faith and that's the issue I want to endeavor to prove today because there may be many people even watching you know who are what I would call nominal Christians you know if you ask them are you a Christian do you believe and they would say yes. But have they actually surrendered their heart 
to the Lord Jesus Christ? Do, would they, when they say Jesus is Lord, Jesus is my Lord. Mm. And really that's the Christian confession, isn't it? Jesus is my Lord. And that is from a heart of submission. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect to be saved, don't get me wrong. But we're saying that there is a submission involved in a saving faith, a heart response. Man believes in the heart unto righteousness. And so both sides would agree with, you know, we'd agree on Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, which says, you know, by grace you are saved through faith. It's totally by grace, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we're not talking about doing works in order to get saved. But the question really boils down to this is, what do we mean by faith? What is a saving faith? By grace you're saved through faith. There has to be a condition in our heart, not works, but a condition in our heart called faith. And what, it, what is that faith? Is it just an intellectual assent that says, I believe? Uh, is it just me accepting forgiveness? Or I would say saving faith actually includes a trust and a submission of the heart. And, and that's actually a very important issue. Mm. So interesting points there that I'd <coughs> like to pick up on, if sure. I may, because I've never thought about it before like this. And I think it probably is an important issue, especially these days, because we can see more and more the deterioration or, or the um, acquiescing of biblical standards mm. and Christ's standards yeah. uh, being pushed aside at the expense of um, PC world everything. But... You, people would probably still say, oh, John 3.16 says, if I believe, I'm saved. So, so I, that's all I have to do is believe. But as you're saying, I mean, hang on a sec. Let me just put it in, uh, in a, another way that people might understand. I believe in paying taxes. But do I pay taxes? <laughs> right? You know what I mean? The, the principle is Which right. Which you do, don't you? Yes, Let's I do. Let's just make that yeah. clear for the and record. And too much. Uh, <laughs> but, but that might upset some anyway as well. But anyway, the thing is that it's... It's not just in good enough, really, what you're saying, is just to say, right, well, I know Jesus will forgive me. God is also full of grace uh, and um, amazing grace, as we know. But do, am I actually acknowledging that Christ is our Lord and Saviour, one and the two, as I said, intricately linked? Mm. Should uh, we think otherwise, then we're deceiving ourselves. Yeah. And I think right? I would go so far to say we are preaching a false gospel if we're not careful on this issue. That we just give the idea that God freely offers salvation, which he does, but the res there is no uh, submission required in the response. And the, and the Greek word for faith, you see, pistis, is translated believe into the English. But the original word doesn't just mean intellectual it assent. An it means... action word, was it? it? Well, it means a submission of the heart, a commitment of the heart that will result in action. See what I mean? Because you're submitted, you have a submissive heart to God, then it, you won't be perfect, but that, that will show itself necessarily in some good works, in some fruit. And so, but with the other version of salvation, you just say, oh, thank you, God, I accept my forgiveness and I can carry on my life as, as I did before, right? That is possible because you're just receiving salvation and maybe later I'll get around to obeying God, but that's not essential. No, it's, I would say that if you receive Jesus as Lord, 
then your life will begin to change. There will be some evidence of that. That will show it. Not that your works save you, but the heart condition that's necessary to receive salvation involves a surrender of the heart. But James chapter 2 is very interesting on that. It says, he says, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. In other words, faith and works are like two totally separate things. They are different, okay? Because faith is trusting in Christ's work. But they're not totally separate because if you have a true faith, well, Luther said it well. like this, you're, you're, you, we're saved by faith alone, but that state, faith does not stay alone. It produces good works. Yes. But James is answering someone who's, who separates the two completely. You, someone will say, you have faith, I have works. And James says, show me your faith without your works. In other words, the works are the evidence of your faith. And I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there's one God? Oh, we're so excited when a celebrity says they believe in God. Demons you do shudder. well. <laughs> he says, well done. You know, well done. Even the demons believe. Yeah. They, they have. They know he exists. Yeah, they believe he's the son of God. Absolutely. They believe he died on the cross. They believe he rose from the dead only too well. But the demons believe and tremble mm -hmm. because they are still under judgment. What's the difference? They haven't submitted to his lordship. Yes, they believe intellectually, but they haven't actually surrendered to his lordship. And so they don't have a saving faith. And so he, James says, foolish man, don't you know that faith without works is dead? So it's a kind of faith. It's an intellectual assent, but it's not a saving faith. It's, it's a dead faith, you might say. And so for some people, this might be a wake-up call, you know, that yes, because especially in what you, uh, we used to be a Christian country, the downside of that is people were born into a Christian home or an outwardly Christian home. They would perhaps even be christened at church. And so they assume they're Christians and they don't have to do anything. They are Christians and they think that they're, That's they're safe, it's they're not. going to heaven. Mm. But they've never actually surrendered personally to Jesus as their Lord. And so they're actually in a delusion. I call it a religious tranquilizer. They don't realize actually that they're heading for hell because they haven't received Jesus as, as their Lord. So what about when you have a, an altar call and uh, you, the sinner's prayer? So they're praying, forgive me, I'm, I'm repenting of my sins. Yeah. And then is that just empty words without having the works, as it were, uh, tied in with that? As, as James says. I don't um, even, I mean, this is another issue, but I don't really talk about repenting of my sins because if we made that a condition, people could never possibly repent of all their sins at salvation. So it's an ongoing... But the key is to repentance. repent of the key sin, the original sin. It's to repent of the principle of sin. What is sin? In the bottom analysis, it's rejection of the authority of God. It's rebellion. That's what happened in the garden, well. isn't it? Mm -hmm. God said, do this. do this. And Adam lived by faith, in the sense he lived in dependence and submission to God. And now Satan offers an alternative way of living, being your own God. And that choice was presented. And when Adam made that choice, he was actually rejecting the tr trusting and submitting to God to be his own God, to be independent. We call it pride. So well, that's way, the nature of sin. So what's the nature of salvation? The nature of salvation is to actually deliver, not to save us from hell, 
that's part of it. But that's the punishment on sin. But salvation really has to be saving us from sin itself. And what is sin? sin it's rejection of God's mm-hmm. authority over our life. His right to rule us. And so the, 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 the submission or the repentance, if you like, that's needed at salvation, not that we go back and we remember everything we've ever done wrong and say sorry, that would be impossible, but to actually repent that I have gone my own way, I've been my own God, I've depended on myself to save myself, and now I come to Christ and I say, Jesus, you're my Lord. I receive you as my Lord. You now are Yeah, my boss, my Lord, I submit to you, in other words. So when I say the salvation, when I explain (coughs) salvation, I like to say it like this. Because I got saved on this verse, Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door of their heart, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. And so I say, look, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart. If you open the door, he will come in. But when he comes in, yes, he comes in as saviour to forgive all your sins, to give you a new life, but he also comes in as your Lord because he is God. And when he comes into Lord, that means you need to surrender your life to him, surrender your heart to him. And I would say that the problem is that we don't have, if you like, good converts or good disciples, is mostly that they haven't been uh, brought to a surrender to God, Um, a surrender in principle, I would say. Now, it takes the rest of our life to work that out in our life. But there has to be this initial surrender where we accept that Jesus has the right to rule us. Because he doesn't violate our free will. And it's only when we give him the right that now he invades our heart and he puts his spirit inside us and he changes our old spirit into a new spirit. Now, he'd never do that unless we had surrendered, giving him that right of access, you might say, to come in and do that. So the surrender isn't, is necessary. So some people who pray the sinner's prayer, it, it isn't real. I like the sinner's prayer uh, if it's done right. There can be some inadequate sinner's prayer that don't even mention the Lordship of Jesus. But, but if, they are, if their heart hasn't been prepared to actually surrender, to, res- to surrender to him as Lord and receive his salvation, then it's just words. So, so this is really a, important. You, you can't know. be a passive Christian then, can you? You can't mm. be, you've got to be a committed Christian. See, that's to... a key word, you see. Lordship, salvation, people like me, mm-hmm. commitment, that's a good word. Mm-hmm. I commit to Christ. Yeah. To the other side, that's works, that's putting a demand on someone. So therefore, it's earning your salvation if you're saying you have to be committed to, to Christ. And, and that's where we would differ. But I would like to put it like this story, because this story really opened my eyes. It's a parable. Just imagine a king, he was a wonderful king, a good king, a powerful king, and uh, he has this kingdom. But out in the outskirts of this kingdom, there's, there's a rebel. And there's a very convincing liar and he tells all kinds of lies about the king and he, he's very charismatic and he gathers a whole rebellion against the king and he, he, uh, more and more people are joining that cause. And the, the king is very powerful. He could just destroy them all. But he loves his subjects. And so what he does is he sends out, a, uh, he sends out messengers to every corner of that kingdom. 
and the messengers come with the, with the good news. Look, if you will just come to the palace and, and, and give up your arms and... Uh, Independence. And, and come to me, yeah, exactly, you will, I will receive you. I will forgive mm. you of everything you've done and I will reinstate you as the citizen. And some would accept the offer and others might reject it because they don't trust the king or whatever. Now, imagine that you were a rebel and you come to the palace because you think, well, I, I want to get this free pardon. And so you come and, and you come, but the, the person is meant to bow. See, if you think about it, it wouldn't make sense if the rebel just strolls up to the king and say, oh, give me my free pardon. And then he takes it and he walks out and he's ever a bit just as much the rebel that he was before and he's going to carry on the fight against the king. That obviously Not gonna work. doesn't work, does it? No, what he would do is he would come and he would bow to the king. He would accept Humility. the authority of the king, right? And that's what I'm talking about, really. The authority of the king. And he would say, I, I'm sorry for what I've done and, and for the way I, you know, please, I receive that forgiveness. But involved in receiving it is that submission. Otherwise, it's not real. And again, we talk about we, we join the kingdom of God. We are citizens of the kingdom. Can you become part of the kingdom of God without submitting to the king? Does that, does that make sense? It doesn't, does it? No. And so this is what lordship salvation is. It's not works, although the opposition would, would say it is, but it isn't actually. It's not saying... Works would be like this. If the rebel comes back to the king and says, sorry, give me a free pardon, and the king says... Well, okay, I'll give you a kind of provisional kind Let's of thing. Let's see how many good works you can churn out. Let's see mm. how good a citizen you are. And then let's check again after a year or two. And if you tick enough boxes, you're in. That would be works. But the salvation he offers is completely free. But it requires a heart that receives it by bowing to the king. As, so the two things together, you see, submitting to the Lord and receiving him as king. And I preached recently, Passion, Passion Week, you know, wasn't that long ago. And Jesus coming in into Jerusalem. And what's that? We apply it to Israel. Zechariah 9 9, you know, is the prophecy. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your eyes have to be open to see Jesus for who he is. Here's Jesus coming to Israel. Behold, your king is coming to you. You have to understand when Jesus is coming to you, offering him his gift of eternal life. He, he isn't forcing his authority on you. He's not coming with lights, lightning bolts on you. <laughs> but you he have to, you have to see. You, your eyes have to be open to see his authority. He is coming as king. He is the son of God. He is the Lord of Lords. Notice, he says, your king is coming to you. He is just, he's righteous, and having salvation. So he's the king. It actually says that, does it? In, that in the Zechariah 9.9. Right. He has salvation. He's ready to give you his mm -hmm. salvation. But he comes humbly, riding on a donkey. And, of course, what happened in this, many of the common people did, of course, receive him. And they shouted out, Hosanna, which means save now. That's actually a, a prayer for salvation. Hosanna, save us now. But they also shouted out, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, we accept you as our king. That was the good example. But of course, the leaders, the religious leaders, is the bad example. They, they rejected him as king. 
And Jesus, a few days later, he said, you know, I, I, I would have loved to spread my wings over you. I, I, would have, I would have loved to cover you. See, that's what covering is authority. And had you come under my covering, had you come under my authority, you would have had peace. You would have had fullness of blessing, but you rejected. And therefore, desolation is coming your way. And so, again, that's a beautiful picture that they rejected him because they were not willing to submit to his authority. And that's what faith is, actually. When God comes into your life and he, he gives you a promise, he says, Howard, this is what I want to do in your life. This is who I want to be to you. What's your response of faith to that? When he says, I am the Lord, the great example is Mary. The angel appears to Mary and says, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. He's going to bring forth a child. This child's going to change your life. You know, it's going to, you know, it's when God says something to you, it it is life-changing. Then when she, how did she respond in faith? She said, let it be done to me. Behold the, the, the handmaiden of the Lord, right, submission. Let it be done to me according to your word. Mm-hmm. See, that's the faith response. It's a submission to the word of God. God comes and says, this is the reality I want to establish in your life. What's our response is to say, yes, I submit to that. But and I'm sure there are many Christians out there commit, committed in their own mind mm-hmm. uh, to following Christ. But when it comes down to it, and, and not really, if you want to put it in a, a fixed way, qualified to take up the full blessing of salvation in being acceptable into the kingdom of God. Well, because it does talk about things which you've been mentioning there, a tree that doesn't bear fruit, okay, so you could be a Christian who doesn't bear fruit, fruit, if there's no evidence. The tree is chopped down, right? Yeah, if there is no fruit, if there is no evidence, then you have to question whether you know, if there's been no life change. Now, we're not saying you have to be Mr. Perfect Christian. Nobody is. All right, because I haven't found yeah. him yet. Yeah. But, um, but there has to be evidence of a change. Because if that hasn't happened, you can't have surrendered your heart. Because if you surrendered your heart, there is necessarily going to be some kind of good Yeah, fruit, and, I, and I think in the, in the, in the not-too-distant future, because it's starting to happen now, that, that the dividing line between a committed Christian and a nominal Christian or a passive one, mm. is going to be so widened, that gap, yeah. and discernible, because they will refuse to follow God's will in his laws and precepts. Mm. And in the world that we live in, we're Especially seeing Especially when that there's persecution. That Absolutely. Will reveal well. what's, what's actually in the Underneath hearts. it, or, or is there a real... It's like, I suppose, people who sign up to go to war. They all end up going to this hill, they're going to take the hill, and some retreat, because they are not willing to give up their lives. Mm for that hill or that part of the the battle. And it's the same, there's going to be such a spiritual battle and a physical in that sense. And again, we're not saying you have to be perfect. But Um, you have to have that commitment. But there has to be an evidence. Yeah, If you have the real faith, it will show itself. It's interesting that, you know, a strong scripture, I can't miss this out, is from Jesus, uh, Matthew 7, 21. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Lord. So they're actually Mm. saying Lord, but it's not from a submitted heart. Shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father. I used to struggle with that verse, Mm. I must admit. Really? Well, because it sounds like work salvation, you see. You've got to do God's will. You've got to do these works. Otherwise, you're, you're not saved. But he's not actually saying that. If you read on 
he, in verse 23, he says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Get Depart away from, from workers me. of iniquity. So the root issue was in the heart, mm-hmm. not in so much the works. But, but their evidence was that they weren't following. That was the evidence. The works are the... So and they were he doing didn't quite know the opposite. them. They had never submitted their heart to him, and so they hadn't never really received him in their heart because they, they didn't have a submissive heart to him. And because of that, they didn't do his will. Because to do the will of God, you've got to have a submiss- submitted heart to start with. It starts in the heart and then it's evidenced in the works. So he's pointing out they were not saved by what they did, but the fact that they didn't do the will of God was an evidence that they weren't actually saved. They never actually gave their heart to him. What does it mean to give your heart to the Lord? It's, it's a surrender, isn't it? It's to say, you have ownership of me. See, the, there are many scriptures, you know, that talk about well, you're bought with a price. You, you don't belong to yourself. You belong to God. Now, that's a, that involves a surrender, doesn't it? Basically saying, Lord, you, you're my owner. You, I, whatever you say is right. Now, we have to learn to, to hear what he wants and do it. But in principle, we have to accept his lordship. That's all I'm saying, really. Did you always have this position? No. So what That's the thing, because I, I come... You know, sometimes you, you're brought up under a certain teaching, and there were the... Um, John MacArthur is not necessarily my favourite uh, because he's very anti-charismatic, you know. But in many other ways, he, he's a very good Bible teacher. Um, but he has a thing about charismatics. <laughs> but, um, but he was very strong. At the time I was at Bible school, um, one of the Bible schools I went to, he was um, really emphasising this more strongly than I would. Um, and on the other side, there were Bible teachers out of Dallas who generally I liked for their teaching on prophecy. And St. Hodges is the most well-known one. And I like his stuff. And he was emphasizing the other side, you know, that if it's grace, you can't put requirements on people, you know. And uh, if you're saying, well, if they, a real faith produces works, then works is part of the equation, and, which I don't, I think he got that wrong. But so I come under that, and the Bible school I w- was at was also in that camp. They they were on the grace side of things. They they thought lordship salvation conflicts with grace, but it doesn't once you understand it correctly. And so it took me quite a few years to actually come through and see that this is actually very much at the heart of the scripture. So I didn't emphasize in my early preaching. I don't didn't emphasize the lordship of Christ enough. And if people don't have that presented to them, then they're not going to realize the need to, to surrender to the Lord. You know, a classic verse is Colossians 2.6. If you, if you want a, a proof verse, if you like, it's, As you therefore have received Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. In other words, you have to receive him as Lord to start with, and then you walk it out in your life. So... The in, there's an initial, so there's a, there's a, how can I say? It's like there's, a, there's a, a connection between your initial salvation and the rest of your life. It's not a disconnect. So lordship is not something that you come to terms with after you've been a Christian for five years. At the, because you have to meet Jesus as Lord at the moment of salvation. 
and then your life is about expressing it. You know, before they called believers Christians, which is in Acts 19, the classic name for a believer was the disciples. Disciples of Jesus. Uh, Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. And a disciple is a follower. He's someone who, 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 is, who is under authority. A disciple of Christ, we're under the authority of Christ. And so in the early church, they understood that the moment you were born again, you are a disciple. You are under authority. So being born again mean, must involve your submission to the authority of Christ. See, we've been preaching a bit of a weak gospel. Mm. We've been just saying, Jesus is your savior, accept him, he loves you. And if that's all we're saying, and all of that is right, but if we're not emphasizing his authority, we are, we're producing weak, weak Christians, I think. I'm just reading the, the rest of that Colossian <coughs> scripture. That's really good because it's actually saying you can't just be passive here and say, oh, I accept uh, mm. all the, the, the gifts and uh, salvation and things like that without really being firmly established in the faith through instruction, mm. which is part of discipleship making, yeah. which is yeah, one of the commands. Yeah, it's through the word of God. Yeah. It's the word so of God. So you, you've got to really know the of word of God. How many Christians really know the word of God? Mm. I mean, because yes, it's, it's done that through, which... It's done through the spirit of through, God. And the Word of God. Yeah, faith comes through hearing the Word of God, yeah. doesn't it? And applying it. Yeah. Not just saying, well, I disagree with that. It's an old book, you know, <laughs> which we're starting to see within the established churches yeah. uh, that they're saying, well, you know, maybe, maybe we need to rewrite this or this was not applicable to yeah. the 21st century. Yeah, if you reject the Word of God, you're rejecting His authority exactly. over your life. Yeah. And uh, so, it's interesting, it talks about in the prophecy of the new covenant, it talks about the Holy Spirit will turn our hearts of stone to a heart of flesh. See, the heart, where our heart is stone, it's unyielding, it's not submissive. A heart of flesh, or a believing heart, is a submissive heart. And he talks about the Holy Spirit, combining Ezekiel and Jeremiah on this. The Holy Spirit does that. But also it says, I'll put my laws in your heart. Yes, so you need two right. things. The Spirit of God, as mm. it were, softens. Imagine a clay vessel that's, that's all kind of hard. It can't receive any impressions. So well, how does the done. clay person does? He adds a lot of water. That's the Spirit of God. And it's all this gooey clay. That's the submissive heart. And then he forms it. See, only when your heart's submissive can God really form you the way he wants you. And then he can write his law in, in that softened heart. And so when we come to the word of God with a submissive heart and we say, God, speak to me out of your word. You know, I want to hear what you say. And then he can write his laws in our hearts. And that's how he changes us. But it doesn't work unless we have that softened, submissive heart. Mm -hmm. That's how the discipleship works. And can it's I, his love that softens our hearts. Yeah, can yeah. I start to read some of these? Uh, oh, yeah, emails as well. Yeah. I know we're not all the way through on what Derek has to share tonight, um, but let's just start looking at uh, some of the texts that are coming in. Who are the five virgins who didn't have the oil lamps? Um, Jesus says, I never knew you. Uh, this is from Elizabeth. I don't know whether you, we're not, this is not really on topic, but mm. you ha are you happy to answer this? Well, the five virgins, in my understanding, uh, is it's not actually talking about the church, it, they're not the bride. But there, at the, I believe, in, as you know, in the pre-trib rapture, that's the bride going up and getting 
married to the bridegroom. And then is the wedding feast, is when the bride and bridegroom return together in Revelation 19 to the earth. And then during the, the tribulation, there'll be people, some will be saved, some will not be saved. So the, the five ones with the oil, they are saved, they've got the oil of the Spirit. And so they come into the wedding feast, and they will, that's like the sheep versus the goats, you know, and they will possess the millennium kingdom. Uh, the ones without the oil, of course, they might be religious, but they're not saved. This is a lovely email. Uh, someone whose heart is being tenderized at the age of 77. Good. Yeah, it's lovely. This is from Cynthia. It says, I've just started a Bible study on my own. I'm 77. Good. But even at my age, uh, you are still learning. Mm. Uh, and I'm looking at faith and grace and see how they come together. And it's so amazing that you're discussing this uh, tonight. So I'm recording it. Blessings to you both, uh, Cynthia. That's great. Yes, the key, the hardest thing in teaching faith, you know, I, and I've done a massive series on faith, I think it's on YouTube, about 40 messages. But the, the hardest single thing is to define what faith is. And what I've come to see, I, I use the CATS, K-A-T-S. K is knowledge. You have to know the facts of the gospel. A is like an emotional response and to assent to it, to, to approve of it. T is the will. Now, going to down deeper, to trust. It's trusting yourself to. And then I add, more recently, I've added the S, which is submit or surrender. And a full faith it affects the whole soul of man, the mind, the will, and, the mind, the emotion, and the will. And then, unless... Christ has reached your will, where you surrender and commit your will to him, the process of faith formation in you has not happened. And that's what happens with every promise of God as a Christian too. He gives his promise and we have to first meditate on it to understand it. We, ha we have to let it get exciting to us in our emotions and then it can penetrate down to our heart or our will and that's when we embrace it for ourselves and we say, yes, that is my reality. Mm. I accept that as my truth. And I commit to it, I surrender to it. That is faith when the word is now planted in my heart. Mm. But there are going to be people, Derek, that don't want to accept the gospel. They're not oh, going to yeah. go, oh, this is lovely. Uh, I, I think it's really a clever way for God to draw out <coughs> whom he's going to have in his new heaven and new earth. because. Mm. Uh, there's no point in having people who but we we are, are stubbornly responsible to preach the gospel of course the true gospel and and this is being such a revelation to me that the gospel comes with authority because there are certain scriptures like for instance romans 10:16 he says they have not all obeyed the gospel i didn't used to like mm. these verses mm. you see and Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 1.8 says that Jesus is coming in flaming fire to exact vengeance on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. See, the word obedience there speaks of authority. It's like he is commanding. So the gospel is gracious. I will forgive you of all of your sins. I'll give you eternal life. But there's a command as well. Repent mm. of your going your own way. And entrust yourself, receive, commit yourself to me. And there is a command in the gospel. If we don't preach the gospel with authority, we are not being proper ambassadors of Christ, you see. And Peter, 1 Peter 4, 17, he says, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? 
Yeah. Strong words, you see. It is, yeah. But people won't want to hear that. No. And especially in our culture, we're very suspicious of authority, you see. But we and we're very rebellious but because we want to, be, want to do know, what is right in easier, our own eyes. It's easier just to say, Jesus loves... And I, we, that's how we start. Jesus loves you and all that. But, yes, absolutely. But we must also make it clear that it is the Lord Jesus that's speaking, that's speaking to them and offering him, offering them his, his love. This fits in, this next email, I think, very well. Um, this is from Norma, who says, Evening, thank you for tonight's programme. I acknowledged uh, God as my Lord, no matter what, uh, for the rest of my life. Uh, mm. After removing a burnt page of the Bible out in Africa, the verses were from the end of Deuteronomy, but it took a further few years later when someone gave me a New Testament for me to really know Jesus, who I gave my heart mm. to. Yes, he is my saviour, but still always my Lord. Yes. No matter what good or bad that happens in my life, I hope you can understand what I'm trying to say in only a few words. Yes. Absolutely. Unconditional commitment, yeah. you see. But the two, putting the, the two together. It, yes, and it's the, it is the two together everywhere. You can't see scripture where you do one without the other. It's actually the best, the best analogy actually is the divine romance. Jesus comes to us as the, you know, because imagine Jesus, he is the bridegroom. He is the strong man. And he come and he loves us with all his heart so much that he, he shed his blood, he died for us. You know, that's how much he values us. And now in the gospel is like the man, as the man, he comes and he proposes to us. And he says, I want to be your husband. I want to be your head. Okay, I love you, and I will give you everything. What is the appropriate response of her? She, she has to decide. She can't just say, well, I'll accept your love, but I'm not going to change my life at all, you know, because I want to... Sounds like I a like very my independent indep woman. I like my independence, you know. Um, th that isn't it, is it? Mm. it? And I want, you know, in our world, we've lost this sense of authority, but I want to imagine submission. and try and get in touch with with how it's meant to be, even if you like in the fairy tales. is is, And Jesus comes with that love, but he comes with authority. And, he, and I'm going to turn to Ephesians 5 in a second. But he, the appropriate response of her is to see that, yes, he's offering himself to freely, but in order for her to receive his love, she has to give herself to him, doesn't she? Yes. There's That's the appropriate response. So there's the submission. Hmm. It's not like she's got to do works to earn his love. She's got that. But she has to submit to him and say, yes, I'll be your wife. So the word headship that's applied to marriage and other situations there's, is a dual thing. If somebody's the head of something else, it, uh, it, it carries two ideas. One is source, the source of salvation, the source of love, and also authority. And to receive someone as your head, you actually have to not only just receive the, the life, the salvation, but you have to receive the authority. And I find that that's why people find it hard to receive from God, or why they find it hard to receive the Holy Spirit. Because they're coming to God, but guess what? God is on the same level as them. Yes, Lord, I receive what you have for me. Mm. That water doesn't flow. Water flows downhill. So if you come to God, you've got to be looking up because he's pouring out his spirit from above. He is Lord. 
and you come to him with a submissive heart, submissive heart, and then you receive from a submissive heart, then you find you can receive easily, you see. And that's the difference. This scripture, I know I'm slightly uh, going off topic, but the principle stands out and says, is glaring at me mm. right here, yeah. where it says, and subject to uh, one another in fear, but uh, wives be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. So can you see headship involves submission? Yeah. But that, we're a million miles away from that today, from, if you look at the body of Christ and the relationships with mm. um, man oh. and woman. Yes. Now, I know we've uh, abused our positions uh, as, as heads. There has been an abuse of authority, yeah. which then causes people, the pendulum to swing too far the other but way. But it has swung the other way. So yeah. how on earth, if, if the, the, the ladies in the household can't submit to their husbands, uh, how on earth are they going to submit to Christ? The, the husband, in a way, he, he's got to win her submission by his love. Absolutely. It's no good him yes, saying, that says that, submit to me, woman. Yeah. That doesn't work. Because in verse 25... How did Christ win our submission? By his love. Yeah. You see. Well, and, and exactly. So it's the role of the husband to win your wives with love. As it says yeah. in verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. In fact, we're told to love our wives mm. as our our own flesh. Yeah. If we love ourselves, which we, we do, we care for ourselves, yeah. um, we should do as much for our wives yeah. as we would for and ourselves. It should be, but, and notice, from, from this point of view, it's clear that Christ is the head of the church and it says the church is subject to Christ. So if you're in the church, you are subject to Christ. Uh, or putting it another way, if you are not actually subject to Christ, if you haven't submitted to Christ, you're not in the church as, as far mm. as God defines it. Right. You, are, you might be in a church, but you are not actually yeah. saved. But as there is this how it defines it. independent spirit in the world, which has mm. now got itself in yeah. the church, yeah. uh, how on earth? We've got to be holding the return of Christ back by just not being in a position to be ready. He said, I'm waiting for the bride to we, be ready. Again, it's, it's because, even in the church, the authority of, the, of, of Jesus and the authority of the Bible has been diminished. And we've got to get, when I say get back to the Bible, get back to actually treating the Bible as the word of God. And when God says something, end of discussion. Okay, you were talking about you're going to get into Ephesians 5.22. Well, that's, you, you actually... That was quote, it, you, yeah. You actually that was jumped, where I you was, jumped yeah. the gun, you see. Sorry, buddy. So, uh, yeah, that proves, you see, that Christ is the, our head. Mm. And that's headship is the, is the picture, as you say, in marriage. When he presents himself to us in salvation, when he calls him, he calls us to him, is like a bridegroom calling his bride. And he is actually saying to her... I want to be your head. Will you accept that? And to accept Jesus as your head or your Lord requires submitting to his authority. And that's what lordship salvation actually says. And if a, if a woman does submit to the man's authority as we submit to Christ and the church, her life will change. Mm. You know, she, she has now bound herself to him so that her, everything in her life now will start changing. And if we can carry on, and we say a sinner's prayer, but we carry on our life as if nothing happened, then 
we haven't actually received anything because we haven't actually understood what's going on here. We haven't actually surrendered our heart. If you don't have a surrendered heart, you can't receive. Mm. Your heart is still stony and there's, you, you're not able to receive. It's such an obvious truth in a way, um, but it's such an important truth, I would say. Can I read, uh, there's a, yeah. a text just coming here which uh, is quite deep, I think, it's quite pertinent as well. Uh, this is from Annette. She says, <coughs> tell me, uh, when you say they might be religious but they are not saved, are you saying they're not born again? Yes, they don't have the oil which is the Holy Spirit. Right. Also, what are works? Jesus says, I was in prison and you visited me, etc. Yes, so that's an example, you see, that the that if you have true, so notice with the sheep and the goats, what they were divided because they were sheep versus goats. That's their very nature. If you're born again, you have that sheep nature. If you're not born again, you're as a goat. So what is a sheep but nature? But then it's evidenced in your works. Yeah. Notice the proof that they were sheep was in their works. Mm. And so you're not saved by your works. Their works didn't make them sheep. They were sheep because they had actually submitted their heart to Christ. But that was proved by their works. That's the difference. Okay. So uh, I suppose we, Annette's really probably going back to also the scripture where it says, uh, you know, in that day, uh, people will say to me uh, mm. when, you know, Christ comes again, Lord, Lord, mm. remember me, you know, let me into your kingdom. He said, no, get away from me, you yeah. workers of lawlessness. And also you've got the scripture in Timothy, haven't they? The, uh, Timothy 3 at the end there, uh, it says talking about uh, they have a form of religion, uh, but uh, proof falls to the power thereof. Yes. Religion, in, what I mean by religion in that context, because religion in, in James is not a bad word. Yeah. Uh, a Christian being religious is putting his faith into action. Yeah. But religion as we often use it is, is as I use it in that case, is, is man's attempt to please God and to um, impress God and get saved by his own works. And actually, if you think about that, work salvation in any form is a, totally against what I'm saying. Because in a way, work salvation is me saying, I'm good enough to save myself. I will do my own works. I, I am my own God. I'm in control. I will do good works and I'll give and I'll do stuff. And God will have to accept me on that basis. And actually, that's all human pride, and the Bible calls that dead works. Because if it's works that I'm generating to save myself, I'm actually not in submission to God at all. Um, so faith, actually, is where I come to the end of myself and my ability to save myself, and I accept the fact, the God's verdict on me, that all my good works, so-called good works, had to be put on the cross. Mm. Jesus had to pay the price for me in full. I surrender to him. His verdict is I can't save myself. I surrender myself to him. I accept his forgiveness and salvation. And now I surrender to his life in me. And I live out of that. Surrender to God. And that's different from me just trying to notch up points with God. Keith is thinking we're missing the point. Uh, let me read. It says, uh, hi guys, I think you're missing something fundamental here. Salvation is relational, not about hierarchy and authority. 
salvation is a free gift and that sanctification uh, uh, thus follows is relational. We get the Holy Spirit when we accept Christ and our sanctification is done uh, relationally through our interacting with the Holy Spirit. And it is this relational, once we are saved, we are always saved. John 10, 8, uh, 28. I shall give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Nobody can snatch them out of my hand. It's much simpler than you making things out to be, says Keith. But it's always well, a lot deeper we, we than agree that. it's relational, of yeah. course. Yes. But maybe Keith missed the beginning, because I think we talked yes. really... The point is, what is your relationship with God? Is, is it yeah. God is my buddy? He's yeah. on the same level to me? Is that the kind of relationship we're talking about? Mm. Or do you see that he is Lord? Yeah. And I, you, yes, uh, and he is your lover and your Lord, but you... It's called the fear of the Lord. You respect his authority over your life. If you don't have any sense of his authority in, your, in that relationship, then you haven't actually entered in the, the door. Can I put it perhaps uh, another way? Uh, let, perhaps you belong to a political party and you paid your dues. Mm. But does that mean that if you start talking of the, of the opposite of what the views are of those polic policies for that political party, then when it, if it came to being accepted at some future time, in the sense that Christ would, could reject you if he, if his kingdom, his government power, you, would, uh, you, you cannot accept, say, well, you know, I'm in, I've paid my dues, I'm, I've made that commitment to the party, but I don't go along with it. So same, you could say, well, I'm accepting Christ uh, to be my saviour, but I'm not going to go along with his uh, laws mm. and precepts. Which is, yeah. that's I mean, why he says, you know, get away from me, you workers of iniquity. It's not yeah. just I mean, about being the, once saved and all The first saved. question is, yes, that's a different issue in a yes. way. Because what I'm talking about, about is, first of all, to enter into the door of salvation, you have to accept Jesus as Lord. I mean, that's Romans 10. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Or you believe in your heart. That he is Lord as well. That he's Lord and, and that he's risen from the dead. And you confess it with your mouth. So in other words, if there isn't a submitted heart, you don't enter in the door. Now, once you're in the door, and you, as it were, you're in that group, you, you, might, you will sin, don't get me wrong, and you will probably have some opinions that go against the word of God, a lot of it out of ignorance. Sometimes Christians can even get, you know, willful sin. I'm not saying that God kicks you out. Uh, and, but it's a different issue whether, I mean, I personally believe that it is, it's not easy but if you yourself choose to reject Jesus as Lord deliberately, like Judas. then you have that free will. But on the other hand, you know, God is very gracious, you know, and you might be a bit of a wayward believer, but if you've genuinely submitted to Christ and you're genuinely born again, you don't lose your salvation easily just yeah. because you go off the rails a bit. Okay. So I do believe God is very gracious, but I believe he is calling us to something better. He's calling us to a higher life, you know. And so, yeah, I do agree. It's all relational. And, and, and between a husband and a wife, which is the picture, isn't it? Christ and the church. It's relational. But there's no doubt in the Ephesian scripture that Christ is the head of the wife. There is an authority there. If you're having, trying to have a relationship with God and you think authority is a dirty word, then, then there's something. You, you've been contaminated by the culture, mm. the anti-authoritarian culture that we're in. 
This is, you have to be very quick on this one. How did the uh, thief on the cross get saved? Question. How did the prodigal son come back? Which is the things that we've just been talking about there. How did uh, Peter come back? Can we get saved, uh, lose it and come back? This sounds like Old Testament to me, says Steve in South Wales. No, well, again, it's not, got nothing to do with that. The thief on the cross, if you look at his words, doesn't he call Jesus Lord in, in that situation? He accepts who he is and he, he tells he? his he's mate a, off, doesn't he? Lord, he said, look, you know, you he is. You know, and, and so he's what I'm saying is that he's surrendered in his heart. He's got a mm -hmm. surrendered heart. And that shouldn't be, uh, people shouldn't think that, uh, of that as a bad thing. Um, he, he's got a surrendered heart, but it's by grace. Again, often it's these, this is misunderstood as denying grace. He received it by grace, but he had a surrendered heart. And that was an important part of him receiving. But I think he's also mixing it up with the issue of what happens when a Christian sins. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We confess, we, he doesn't lose his salvation. We confess our sins and, and we come back under his authority more. Yeah. So we're not, we're not talking about that. that mm. The moment you are not perfect, you're yeah. kicked out. I, I, I'd like to say that I think most people who watch Revelation TV are committed Christians. Yeah. Okay, so it, mm. it's not really applying, if you like, to your, your good selves. <clears throat> it's more to the people who would think that they're going to church and they've uh, accepted Christ as their saviour, but have not accepted him as, his, as Lord, mm. in the sense that they're going to follow his ways. Mm. Follow his ways. Footstep follower of Jesus Christ. Now, we're in our last seconds here. Uh, please uh, just share what you want to conclude with, Derek. Well, again, I would urge us to preach the true gospel, which is, and, uh, oh, yes, thank you for yes. giving me a chance to mention this. So in a previous program, we actually talked about my Panorama book, and it was, Howard actually suggested it, so I'm really just obeying Howard, <laughs> that I should produce the book in its A4 version, which yes. is not much nicer to read, and I thought, oh, it'd be yeah. too expensive, you know. But actually, we, we, can, we can do this for, for £40. It's, it's over... It's almost six, seven hundred pages. And you, to so get in touch with you? If they, if they go on the website, oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk, um, I'm going to, if it's not up there now, I'm going to make sure it's up there quickly and it's for £40. Uh, or phone us on uh, Oxford 01865 No, got it wrong. 310558. Okay. Sorry. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Derek, and also for the viewers as well. And thank you for interacting with us. And, uh, and uh, hopefully, Han will be back with us very soon. So until then, uh, take care of yourself and God bless and read the Word of God. Mm -hmm.